0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Hey, it's it's so fun to celebrate what God did last weekend. And I, like Derek said, if you... Oh, hey, good call. My bad. Hey... Ron, you didn't bring your sign this morning. If you are a kid in this room, you guys get to go have a ton of fun. You guys can head back with Monica, enjoy the morning. And as you see these kids leave, I just want to highlight what Derek said. Last weekend, there were 10 kids who committed their lives to Jesus. And that's amazing. Because for me, when I was a kid, my faith and the foundation that I'm still living on was built in kids church. And it's so fun to see students who are truly coming alive in Christ every single week back then. There were 10 students who gave their hearts to the Lord. And that's, that's something to celebrate. And that gets me excited as a youth pastor knowing that in a few years when they are in youth group, that their foundation is built. They have a firm foundation that, that we get to continue building on. But like Derek said, I just want to say thank you to anyone who served last weekend. We truly could not do it without you guys. It was an amazing weekend, a ton of fun. And for real, thank you guys so much for serving and, and making the weekend possible. And there was so much to celebrate last weekend. But this morning, there's something that we get to celebrate a little bit. And that, that thing we get to celebrate is Pastor Derek. Right? He is not here this morning. He is with Or he's coming back from a a quick little family trip to Indiana. But 52 weeks ago, from this weekend, one year ago, is the Sunday Derek officially took over as lead pastor of this church. And if you've been here along this whole journey, I've only been here for seven months. And in the seven months I've been here, man, this church is completely transformed. And it's so fun to see people coming alive in Christ. And it's because of Derek. And it's because of. The vision he's casted and and his leadership, and how he's just chasing after God. So, even though Derek's not here, you might watch this back. Can we just honor Derek this morning and give it up for his leadership? And now I'm I'm expecting that raise, Derek. So, um, no, but hey, if you could. You, you're not going to hear a pastor say this a whole lot, but if you have your phone, could you take your phone out real quick? And if you have Derek's number, can you just text him right now? He's driving, but when he gets to where he's going, it'd be awesome if he had 50 texts of people. And just text him, thank you for serving this church. Thank you for for leading us so well. Because he's the man, and it's, it's fun working for him. I'm glad he gets a little Sunday off this morning, but as you're texting him, I firmly believe that we can text our prayers. So as you're texting him, don't stop. I'm going to say a quick prayer for Derek. So God, we thank you for the leadership of Derek. We thank you for his investment into this church, his investment into this community. And God, we continue to pray that you give him the energy, give him the motivation, the passion to continue pursuing you first and foremost, that he can lead this church as a byproduct. And God, we pray for just a, a special protection over his life, both physically and spiritually, as, as he deals with the demands of ministry. God, we also lift up his family to you, because we know it's not just Derek. It's, it's a whole mom family thing. God, from Megan and Ellis and Parker, God, we pray that you protect them. God, you help them continue to grow day after day into just men and women of God. God, we thank you for Derek and his leadership in your name. Amen. Amen. So last weekend was amazing, right? We got to celebrate Easter, but the best part about it is not the people that came, not even the fact that people committed their lives to Jesus. The best part about the weekend is that each one of us get to celebrate what Jesus did when he died on the cross and three days later defeated death came back from the dead so we could have a relationship with him. And the great part is, that's not just one weekend out of the year we celebrate that. We get to do that every single day. Because when we, when we wake up in the morning, we have a choice to make to live for Jesus. And if it wasn't for him defeating death, there's no decision we can make. And it's an everyday thing. And like the video said, there were people who committed their life to Jesus last weekend. maybe the first time maybe some people recommitted their lives or maybe there are people who've been following Jesus for 60 years that just said I'm taking this to the next level I'm taking my faith to the next level as a staff we we decided the best way for our church to take our faith to the next level is to start a new series titled breaking free because how many of you Even as I say the words breaking free, something comes to mind that you need to break free from, whether it's a sin or an addiction or a habit you have, or maybe it's thoughts or maybe it's your past or a relationship, whatever it is, I believe that there are people all across this room who need to break free from something in order to take that next step in their walk with Jesus. And this morning, I'm excited to kick this series off. And the whole series, we're going to be going back to this verse in 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 17. And it says this Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, I pray this morning that you speak to each one of us. God, it's not my words, it's yours. God, help us start this process of breaking free from whatever is holding us back. In your name, amen. Amen. This morning, I'm preaching a message titled Breaking Free. From your thoughts breaking free from your thoughts because how many of you know that oftentimes the most critical person of you is you the most damaging person to you is oftentimes you and i think until we can break free from the thoughts that hold us back until we can break free from the thoughts that that hold us captive in life i don't know that we can take that next step in our faith so this morning we're talking about breaking free from our thoughts and if you have your Bibles, there we go. I heard a whisper over here. I'm the youth pastor at the church, and it's, it's super cool to see what's going on with our students in St. Francis. And it's just about two months ago, we started worship in youth, and it's, it's fun to see students enter in. As they get kind of uncomfortable in worship, it's fun to see students grow. I've been encouraging students to bring their Bibles every week to youth. And I thought I maybe taught them, but I guess not. If I say, if you have your Bibles, they say, and you should, right, right? Come on. I also told them, let's get a big youth section going, and we have two students over here. So that's my youth section today. Thanks for, for living it up. Uh, but can we try that? When I say, if you have your Bibles, you say, and you should. Ready? If you have your Bibles, and you should. There we go. See, isn't that kind of fun? It's it's a good reminder. Bring your Bibles to church, right? It's God's word. It's the reason you know, we, we do what we do. And if you have your Bibles, there we go. Turn to First Samuel chapter 9. And as you turn there, just a little context of, of what's going on. The Israelites, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, they, they got out of slavery. And they would love the Lord. Then eventually they turned their back on the Lord and God would raise up a leader. That would kind of bring them back to loving the Lord. And after some time, they would turn their back on God and God would raise up another leader. And it was just this cycle over and over again. And this is where we find ourselves in in 1 Samuel chapter 9. The people are, are starting to kind of turn their back on God. And they go to Samuel, who's kind of the spiritual leader of the nation at the time. And they're like, Samuel, we want a king. We look around at every other nation in the world, and they all have kings. Why are we not like them? And Samuel's like, you guys are dumb. We don't need a king. God is our king. But the people are like, no, we want a king. Samuel is like, how dumb are you guys? I'll talk to God, but I know the answer. And Samuel goes to God, and he's like, the people want a king. And to Samuel's surprise, God's like, fine, give him a king. But I'll tell you who to appoint. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, Samuel meets a guy named Saul. And Saul, in the Bible, it says he's the most handsome man and he's head and shoulders taller than every other man. That's a pretty good combination, if you ask me. Probably worthy of being a king. So Samuel, as soon as he sees him, God's like, that's the one. Appoint him as king. So Samuel goes up to Saul and is like, Saul, you're gonna be my king. You're gonna be the king of Israel. God has told me, you are it. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, this is Saul's response. Saul replied, But I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? I find it interesting that Saul. After he's anointed king, his first response isn't, oh, that's insane. Like That's crazy. Thank you, God. His response is, why me? I'm not good enough. I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the, the least of the families. Right? I'm the least qualified person in the world to do this. I think a lot of us are like Saul. God has put us in a, a certain place in this world. And our response is not, God, thank you for this opportunity to love you. Thank you for this opportunity to be a witness for you. Our response is oftentimes, I'm not good enough. Why me? And Saul, at the end of his, or the the crazy part is Saul, even though he thinks he's not good enough, God still uses him as king. Despite what he thinks, God uses him as king. And despite what we think about ourselves, the thoughts that hold us back, God is still going to use us. But at the end of Saul's life, when, when he's getting old, Samuel anoints another king. He anoints a guy named David. And Saul instantly becomes jealous. He instantly becomes insecure. And he even tries killing David on three separate occasions. And I think it's because at his core, Saul still believes, I'm not good enough. Why me? And the truth is, we can let our future be ruined by our thoughts. We can let our future be ruined by our fears by our past or we can lean into God even more than we ever have before because our future is bright. If we lean into God and Saul lets his thoughts control him. He lets his thoughts control how he leads and how many of us are letting our negative thoughts hold us back. How many of us are letting our thoughts control how we lead, how we live our lives, how we love people. I think one of the reasons why our thoughts hold us captive, why our thoughts can hold us back is because of comparison. Has anyone ever compared themselves to someone else in their life? Yeah. Rhetorical question. I I would imagine most of us probably have, but in a world of social media, this is a growing threat to our faith every single day. Because how many times are you scrolling on on Facebook or Instagram, and you see someone, and you're like, whoa, they look better than I do. Or their family's way more functional than mine. Right? It's so easy to let social media bring us into this, this world of comparison. And Teddy Roosevelt, president of the US back in the day, one of the most powerful men in the whole world, he said this Comparison is the thief of joy. Because he struggled with comparison to past presidents. He struggled with comparison to other leaders around the world. If the most powerful man in the whole country struggled with comparison, I think probably each one of us do as well. But The truth is comparison is never fair. Comparison is never fair because no two people have the same experiences. No two people have the same upbringing. So direct comparison doesn't even make sense. It's not worth our time. I just got done saying that a social media can be bad. It can also be great. I have this thing called TikTok. I uh, never made any videos, but oftentimes I'm scrolling at night on my, my TikTok, and I'm in bed as a 25-year-old dude just laughing my head off. And I'm like... <laughs> If other people saw me right now, I'd be so embarrassed. Because the videos on my TikTok are just dumb. They're hilarious. They're so funny. But the other night, I was scrolling TikTok, and there was this video that came up that talks about comparison. And at first, I was like, why would I listen to this? And I scrolled up. I was like, ah, maybe I should go back and listen to it. And this video was about a study in 2008. 2008. Twitter had just been invented. Facebook had been around for a little while. Instagram wasn't a thing. In 2008, there was a study that was done that said comparison, thoughts of comparison account for 12% of our thoughts on a daily basis. That's crazy. 12%. That's one out of eight thoughts are about comparison. The average person, if they sleep eight hours a day, which would be fantastic. TikTok keeps me up. I don't get that much sleep. But if if you sleep for eight hours a day, that means you're comparing yourself for an average of about two hours every single day. That's crazy. Over time, that adds up. Over time, that's destructive. Because when we compare ourselves to others, it's a no-win game. Because we have one of two ways we can compare. We can compare ourselves to someone who's quote-unquote, better than us, or we can compare to someone who's worse. And when we compare to someone better than us, that leads to us feeling bad about ourselves. It leads to us feeling pity. But if we compare ourselves to someone who is worse than us, that leads to pride. And neither pity nor pride are a recipe for success when it comes to our faith. I think comparison is one of the things the enemy uses the most in our lives to disrupt people's faith, especially in the next generation. So if maybe you don't struggle with this, I bet your kids do. I bet your grandkids do. Because every day they're surrounded by a world where people are comparing. And we need to be people who break free from comparison. because the Bible says before you were born, God knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. God loved you. The truth is you weren't created to be like anyone else, right? You were created on purpose for a purpose. And if we waste two hours a day trying to be like someone else, if we waste two hours a day trying to be different, right? We're not living out the purpose God has for us. But comparison can also be to our past. How many of us have ever done something that, that we've regretted? Anyone? Oh, half the crowd I thought I'd maybe talk to a little more people. So if you haven't, hey, tune out here. It's all good. I don't, I don't mind. But for those of us who have done something that, that we regret, how many of you know that, that can weigh on us? Right? There are moments every day where a thought gets triggered where we hear someone's name and we regret something we hear a song we hear a word we see something and instantly something from our past is brought up and and we regret what we've done and your past is something that can destroy your future if you let it but your past is also something that can fuel your future if you give your past to God you know, 2 Corinthians 5:17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The old is gone. A new life has begun. And that's so encouraging to me because there are things I wish I'd never done. There are things I've said to people I wish I never said. But when you give your life to God, right, the past is in the past. A new life has begun and we get to look forward to this new life that God gives us. And on Wednesday night, I, I realized that um, I had a thought that made me feel kind of old. I know I'm not as old as some people in this room, uh, but when I was at youth, I saw a student who had just turned 16 drive into the parking lot, back into a, a spot in the back of the parking lot, and he got out by himself. I was like, holy crap. This guy's driving. And I was like, oh, wow, I feel old for just thinking that thought because I wasn't there. I was there not that long ago. But it made me realize something as, I, as I'd already started preparing for this message that our faith is sometimes like driving. Because when we drive, right, our focus is forward, our focus is supposed to be on what's ahead. But every few seconds, we're supposed to check our mirrors. We're supposed to check what's behind us. And I think our faith is a lot like this. If if we're someone who is trying to go forward on our faith, but we're only looking at our mirrors, we're only checking what's behind us, we're bound to crash. The old is gone. The new has begun. Right? It's the same The other way, if if we're driving and we only look forward, imagine you're on a highway and you only look forward, and you're like, "Well, here we go," and you turn lanes. Eventually, you're gonna hit someone, right? It's the same thing in our faith. We can't only look forward because if we never remember where God took us out of, if we never remember that moment we committed to Jesus, I don't think we're living this thing out right. So our faith is a lot like driving. It's finding that balance. It's finding that happy medium. Of looking forward, keeping our eyes on God, keeping our focus on what God is going to do in our life, trying to strive to be better. At the same time, every so often looking behind us, just being like, God, thank you. Thank you for what you brought me out." Because the truth is God uses our past, but we can't stay there. If we want to break free from our thoughts, a lot of us have to break free from our past. We can't let our past hold us back anymore. Because God has called us to greater things ahead. In 2 Corinthians 3.5, it says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. See, growing up in church, I I heard this real churchy saying a lot. And I'm not a big fan of like churchy sayings. But growing up, I, I heard Pastors, Sunday school teachers say this all the time. God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. I think that's so good. Because this verse says there's nothing we can do that qualifies us on our own. We're only qualified when we give it to God. We're only good enough when we give it to God. And the truth is, when we commit our life to Jesus, we're saved. And when we're saved, we're sent. If you're saved, you're sent. What does that mean? The Great Commission in the Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That starts here in St. Francis. That starts where you live. Go and make disciples. And if we're saved, we're sent to live out that mission. Which means if, if we're saved, we're called. But God doesn't call you because you're qualified God qualifies your call to go and make disciples of all nations and we're only qualified when we give it to God because if we're people who dwell in the past if we're people who every time we try to live out our faith our past is on the forefront of our mind if every time we try to be bold in our faith and and maybe share with our family what God's doing in our life. But then we start thinking about the mistakes we made in our past. We'll never be able to live out the call God has for us. If you're saved, you're sent. That means you got to get rid of your past. You got to leave that in the past. And growing up, I I had a, a paper route. I delivered newspapers. Anyone else have that job growing up, a few of us, so you guys can relate. And I got this paper out when I was or I got this paper out when I was five years old. My parents thought it'd be a good idea to teach us good work ethic. And at five years old, they're like, yep, he's ready. So five years old, I was carrying these newspapers, walking up to the doors, putting them on the door. And now thinking about it, if I saw a five year old every Saturday <laughs> with a handful of papers walking up to my door, I'd be like, His parents are psychos. (laughs) But I love my parents because it taught me good work ethic. It taught me that every Saturday I had this commitment that I had to follow through on. I got to make a little money, and it was awesome. And I, I enjoyed it, rain or shine, whether it snowed on April 16th. I was out every Saturday delivering these papers. And every, every house had different instructions. There were some houses I'd, I'd have to walk up and hang it on the front door. Some houses I'd have to walk around back, hang the paper on the back door. Some houses I'd put it in the mailbox. And every house had a different instruction. And one Saturday, about a year in, I was like six, maybe seven years old. And I was walking up to this house. And the instruction was I had to open the porch door, walk inside, hang it on the front door. Easy enough, right? And like I'd done so many times before, I opened the porch door, I took took a step in, and to the right I saw this massive dog that had never been there before. I grew up in a house where we didn't have pets, we didn't have dogs, and the dog got real excited seeing me, and I was like, oh, crap, and I panicked. I threw my paper and I turned and I sprinted as fast as I could out the door. Because growing up, one of my favorite movies was The Sandlot. And if you've seen The Sandlot, you know, Benny the Jet, he grabs the baseball and he's sprinting out of the yard trying to get away from the dog because he thinks the dog is going to kill him. So I'm six years old and that's the thought going through my mind. This dog is going to eat me. And I'm running as fast as my six-year-old legs can take me feeling like Benny the Jet. And I run and I get out of the yard and I turn around as I'm in the middle of the road. I would not suggest it to sprint in the road. But I got in the middle of the road and I turned around and I saw the dog sitting at the edge of the yard. And he had a collar on. He had an invisible fence. And I was terrified. Right? I was I was shaking up and I, I checked my pants. And I was like, no, I'm good. We're clean. But I was terrified the rest of the day. I was like, when's the next dog going to come and get me? The next Saturday comes around. And I see the house in the distance, and instantly, I'm like, oh, shoot. Again? I have to deal with this dog again? Because this time the dog was outside. I was like, well, my life might end. I get to the house and I'm like, I want no part of this. And I think I just threw the paper in the yard and I'm like, they can deal with it. And week after week, I would get to this house and instantly my, my heart would drop. I'd become miserable and I'd be scared for my life. And it only grew for years and years. I had to deliver a newspaper to this house and the papers would get dropped off at at our house growing up in the morning so we could bag them and as soon as I'd see the newspapers, I'd be like, oh great, here we go again. And just the thought of having to encounter this dog, just the thought would ruin my day. The thought would make me miserable because thoughts carry weight in our life And I wonder how many of us in this room are like a seven year old me, where just a thought is ruining your day. The thought of seeing someone at work makes you hate going, the thought of something you did in your past makes you miserable. Our thoughts can hold us back if we let them. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The cool thing is when when we accept Jesus, when we invite him to lead our life, to be the Lord of our life, the Bible says the, the Spirit is with us the Holy Spirit is with us. Which means everywhere we go, every time the thought comes to mind of this dog, every time the thought of this co-worker comes to mind, it might try holding us back, but the Spirit is with us. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom. And the freedom that comes through faith in Jesus, rescues us from guilt and slavery to sin. But until we can break free from our thoughts, until we can break free from the comparison trap, until we can break free from our past, I don't think we'll truly be able to step into the joyful life that God has for us. Because the truth is, this life should be joyful. And serving God should be joyful because God defeated death When he sent Jesus and he defeated sin. And the cool thing is, we get to choose how we respond moving forward. And for a lot of us, our past has held such a grip on our life. The mistakes we've made has held us captive for years. The same habits we've developed have been holding us back for so long, and it's tough to let those go it's tough to try breaking free but the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we get to choose this freedom every day and yeah it's tough there are things in my, my past that you know I really wish I didn't do but every day I get to choose God I'm living in your freedom today And when we accept Jesus as the Lord of our life, it's not for the freedom to do whatever we want, right? God doesn't give us the freedom to, to sin and be like, you know what, there's forgiveness, it's all good. It's not how it works. That's not what freedom truly is. What, what freedom is, when we accept Jesus' freedom to do whatever we should, as the Holy Spirit guides us. Because if you're serving the Lord, if the Spirit is with you, Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to ask a question this morning. Maybe there were some of us who were were here last weekend. And last weekend as we celebrated what Jesus did, we celebrated how he defeated death Maybe you weren't quite ready to make a decision to serve him. You weren't quite ready to go all in in your faith. And this morning, as I've been talking about letting your past go, about breaking free from your thoughts, breaking free from comparison, maybe this morning you're saying, because the Spirit is with me, there's freedom. And this morning, I want to go all in. Is anyone in this room wanting to make that decision this morning to go all in. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. Yeah. There are a few hands up. That's amazing. That's amazing. You can put your hands down. If everyone could repeat this prayer after me. God, this morning I commit to you. I want to go all in for you. And I'm committing to not letting my thoughts control my life. God, I'm leaving the past behind because I know your future is bright. This morning, I I commit my life to you. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we give God some praise this morning? But here's the other thing. I know a lot of us in this room, we've been serving the Lord for a while. I want to ask this question. Everyone's looking around because sometimes in our faith, we need to be bold, right? I can barely walk today because I, I stretched myself lifting the other day, right? And I, I know you probably saw me this morning. And you're like, oh, something looks a little different about him. It's not the mustache, it's the muscles. They're getting bigger. No, it's, it's the muscles, trust me. But this morning, is there anyone who wants to make the commitment to just saying, I'm not gonna compare myself to other people. I'm gonna do everything I can to break free from that habit. For me, I'm committing to not comparing myself to other youth pastors. I'm comparing, or I'm committing to not comparing myself to other people I graduated with. Because God created me for a purpose, on purpose, to be here in St. Francis. And God's done the same for each one of you guys. To live out your purpose where you're at. Is there anyone who wants to just commit to saying, I'm not going to compare myself? Yeah. If I ask the same question with our past and I say, is there anyone who wants to commit to leaving the past in the past so that doesn't hold us back. I'm sure there'd be tons of hands going up across this room. And the encouraging part is we're in this thing together, right? There's a body of believers. There's this church that when we walk out these doors, we don't leave what happened in this room. We get to encourage each other. We get to live out this faith. We get to take our next steps together. So can I pray for us this morning? God, I pray that this morning people make that commitment to break free from their thoughts. God, to break free from the thoughts that have held us back for years. God, I pray people stop comparing themselves to others because, God, we were created exactly how you want us. God, give people confidence knowing that that they just need to be themselves. God, I pray for other people in this room who need to leave the past in the past and I pray that even as they're walking out these doors they make that commitment to you and they say God the past is in the past it's where it belongs I'm looking forward and my focus is on you and what you're gonna do in my future God I pray that each one of us begin breaking free from the habits that have held us captive for years as we walk out these doors God you give us a a sense of boldness. God, knowing that your spirit is with us and where your spirit is, God, there is freedom. God, help us live out that freedom. Help us live out our faith in a bold way this week. So God, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Your name, amen. Amen. Hey, go and be blessed. We're breaking free as a church. Love you guys.